you get this? What's wrong with you? That, I think that's at least how, how I will be feeling. He talks about this generation here in verse 31. Uh, how can I compare, to what can I compare the people of this generation? The phrase this generation is a biblical phrase from the Old Testament, that, which was often used by the prophets in a very negative way. Fortunately, when the prophets of God came to God's people, they would come and say, this generation has a problem. Uh, for example, Jeremiah, chapter 7, verse uh, 25 to 29 there, uh, from, uh, where are we, from the time our ancestors left Egypt until now, day after day, again and again, I sent to you my servants the prophets, but they did not listen to me or pay attention. They were stiff-necked and more evil than their ancestors. When you tell them all this, he's talking to Jeremiah, they will not listen to you. When you call to them, they will not answer. Therefore say to them, this is the nation that has not obeyed the Lord is God, or responded to correction. Truth has perished. It has vanished from their lips. Cut off your hair and throw it away. Take up a lament on the barren heights. The Lord has rejected and abandoned this generation that is under his wrath. So when Jewish people hear the phrase, this generation, it should trigger them into, oh, 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 the prophets. So is this a message from God? And that's why I think Jesus is hoping that they will get this. Um, did you ever hear people say, or maybe you've said it, the problem with the youth of today is, <laughs> and maybe you heard your parents saying that when you were young, right? The problem, you know, in our day, the police were respected and, and children obeyed their parents and people respected teachers and I don't know, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? I don't know, I mean, I, I know I've said this kind of thing. Um, I'm not, not sure it's always very useful because from us, it can, it can come across quite pompous. Because one generation isn't exactly com comparable uh, to another in many ways. And I think when we pass judgment on generations, we've got to be a little careful. But when Jesus says, this generation has a problem, then we need to listen. Because he's got an objective assessment, being mm. God as well as human. Mm. So, will we listen, perhaps, is the question. Will we react correctly to the words of Jesus, to the word of God? Are we listening? Are we open-hearted? Are we aware of what gets in the way of us listening and really hearing what God is saying to us through uh, his word? What are we like? And he says, what are they like? They're like these children. Well, what are we like? How do we respond? And that's what we'll look at uh, today. So firstly, uh, in the first section here of this passage, we're going to talk about expecting the unexpected. Um, you have to expect the unexpected. I think we have to in this church, actually. Uh, poor old Sarah broke down in her car today. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so we need to pray for them. I don't think the car's actually badly. It's not like a big problem with the car. But it's just such a thing that happens that you just don't expect, do you? And uh, thanks to Barry and Kate, we have communion today, bringing the supplies and all kinds of things. Uh, but that's life. You have to expect the unexpected. And I think we get a bit used to that in life, but do we get used to it spiritually? That God sometimes does the unexpected, and we would rather he did what we wanted him to do when we wanted him to do it. And that seems to be something they're wrestling with here in this passage. How does it feel when we don't get what we expect? How do we feel? When we expect something, it doesn't happen. How does that feel? Disappointed? Disappointment, yeah? Okay, like he's not listening? Let down. Let down. Even in human relationships, when we don't get what we're expecting. It's annoying. It's annoying. Yeah. It hurts. 
ask you what this looks like. What, how would you describe this? A jug. Okay. And what that water jug, so what you would normally expect to see in it is water. And you'd expect that water to be drinkable, right? So a couple of weeks ago. Maybe, yes, maybe some mint, maybe some sliced lime in there. Pims. Pims jug. Pims. Pims jug. Give it away now. Yeah. Hang on. Here is a glutton and a drunkard. <laughs> Friend of tax collectors and sinners. Okay, you fit in. It's all right. You fit in with Jesus. Uh, um, I, so a couple of weeks ago, um, it was late. It was uh, late in the evening, I was sitting in the lounge, and I, I hadn't had enough. You know when you just feel very dry, you really you know you've not had enough liquids in the day. I was really thirsty, and I remembered that uh, Penny had put some water in this jug, and um, it had been on the table earlier, so I went and found it next to the sink. It still had, it was about two-thirds full, and uh, so I took it over, I took my glass, I poured myself a glass, I drank a whole glass, very refreshed. Um, I, I, I put another glass, because I was very thirsty, I put some more water in, filled it up, started drinking, and then there was something in my mouth, uh, and I, oh, I, I pulled it out, and, and it was a seed, it was, it was some kind of seed, and I looked at the jug, and I looked at this, and I suddenly remembered that when it was on the table, it didn't have water for drinking in, <laughs> it had some flowers in it, <laughs> and, and those flowers had been in that water for quite some time, so... <laughs> It tells you something about my, the, the, yes, the sensitivity of my sense of taste. It's obviously clearly not very strong. It also tells you how thirsty I was. It also tells you how unobservant I am. It also tells you that my wife doesn't know the difference between a vase and a jug. So uh, we can have a discussion about that uh, later. But I, I actually did laugh. I mean, for a moment I was disgusted. Um, and, and then I, I laughed and I thought, oh, that's, that's quite funny and that'll make a good sermon illustration someday. So, and so it has proved. But it's, when you don't get what you're expecting, there's a shock. And then you have to react. How do, you, how do we react? And what we see here is that um, they didn't react right, did they? They, 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 got not, they did not get what they expected. And, they were the, and Jesus says, you were like these kids in the market." Just out there, hanging out, they're playing games, you know, when kids are just having fun in the sunshine. In a warm climate, on a warm day, they're out there with a bunch of their friends, messing around, doing various things. And, uh, and they, they play, okay, here we go, some pipes. And they're playing some tunes to each other, maybe one, you know, if you don't know in the illustration that Jesus uses here, the parable, whether, whether the Pharisees are the ones playing the tunes, all the ones listening, but there's a disconnect though. Anyway, that's the point between what's being done, and what's expected, and what's actually happening. So you, you may know. So I, I don't know if you saw the video I did, but you know you can you can play a sad tune. Now Becky's going to play a happy tune in a minute. But do you know what this is? If I can play it right. Listen to it on YouTube. You, 
and you get these really deep Russian bass voices. It's oh, awesome. Wow. That's for another time. Um, I mean, they can sing so low you can barely hear. It's incredible. But it's often used as a funeral type cortege. You know, people are bringing in a coffin and they'll, they'll maybe have that music. We, you may not hear it that much in these days, but it was a common thing used, or it's used sometimes in old films to designate a, a, a sad thing. But it's a happy tune. Because we like to have a happy tune as a contrast to a sad tune. Uh, we need a bit of both. So we sang a dirge and you did not cry. We played the pipe for you, you did not dance. Have a happy tune. Alright, well, we'll give it a try. Give it a try, Vex. Challenged, or didn't, they assumed that John uh, was a bit mad. 
uh, with Jesus, they seem to think he was just having too much fun. I mean, he's just enjoying himself. He's like a kid on a swing. He's enjoying being with people. He loves people. He likes hanging out with people. He's just a great guy. Uh, but that's a problem. Jesus shouldn't be a great guy if he's really a Messiah. <coughs> Excuse me. See, their attitude to Jesus uh, and John was, was just sheer perversity. They had just already decided they weren't going to listen to him or accept him. Jesus was too much like a normal person. And uh, I think that's an amazing thing to think about. That actually, in many ways, if Jesus was sitting amongst us today physically, I'm not sure that we would know. I think we would when we got to know him, but just sitting there, just being with us, you know, making tea, uh, would we really know? Maybe, maybe he's just too normal, at least uh, to start with, as we get to, to know him. The Pharisees were not happy with either the craziness of John or the normalness uh, of Jesus. Of course, this is partly a reminder that Jesus wants to bring all people into his kingdom. All people, restoring the community that God desires. Jesus loved hanging out, like with Levi in chapter 5 of Luke, the tax collector, over at his house, at a banquet, with all the other tax collectors and sinners, as uh, he refers to here. He, you see me as a friend of tax collectors and sinners. I'm quite glad about that. I think Jesus says, excellent. I'm glad you noticed I'm a friend of tax collectors and sinners, because that's the point. I love hanging out with people that otherwise religious people and avoid. That's what gets me excited, I think, as far as he was concerned. God works in ways that surprise us. Um, something's happening today, and probably in about an hour, hour and a half from now, um, that I'll share with you now that uh, will be very meaningful to a lot of us here. Um, and, I, and I'm going to share this publicly because it's already public knowledge. Many of it, most of us here will know that, uh, when was it, a few months ago, um, some Problems with Barry Lamb's employment are home worldwide and in his spiritual moral life surfaced. And as public knowledge, it's been announced and talked about in many places, and Barry himself has been very open about it, so I'm not gossiping or slandering him here. There were very significant problems with his employment and also with his moral life as a Christian, and most of us have known him for a very long time. That's been a very big challenge for him and his family, of course, for quite a long time. Some of us will know more about it than others. However, what I found today... <clears throat> what I found out on uh, this coming week was that uh, his son, Joel, had been studying the Bible, <laughs> which is amazing. <clears throat> and I, I don't want to go into more details about Barry's situation now here, but yeah. a lot of us know. Yeah. Joel's been um, studying the Bible. Today in East London, after church, Joel Lamb's going to get baptized into Christ. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. And Barry will be there. I just telling you that I've actually got goosebumps as I shared that with you because given all that's happened and all the sin, frankly, you could well imagine that someone like Joel could become so cynical, so negative, that he would not want to have anything to do with the church or with God. But instead, something has shifted the other way. And he's been driven perhaps to God by if we have a choice, don't we? Like the Pharisees had a choice how to react. We have a choice how to react to the situations in our lives and things that have gone on in our lives, whether because of God, the church, in some ways directly, or just because of life. How do we react? And Joel's going to be baptized into Christ. What an amazing thing. Yeah. Uh, I expect there'll be a lot of pictures posted and uh, things like that. What a great celebration. 
unexpected? Can we lift our faith to believe that God could do something amazing uh, that we might struggle to actually believe in? Is, is there a way to see God doing something we might not, not expect? Make a list of the unexpected, or not just the unexpected, but the difficult, the really difficult. Maybe make a list of those and make those a prayer focus for a few days. Pick two, three, four, five things, maybe just even one. That's just, I, I really struggle to believe that God can do that. Maybe, maybe we, if we pray, we'll believe that he can. Because God obviously can do the most extraordinary things with the wrong people at the wrong time, at the wrong time, in the wrong place. It, that's wonderful. I just love that. Here's a quote from uh, a, a commentary the Bible speaks today on the Gospel of Luke about this passage. When they piped and asked for a message that was undemanding and cheerful, John fasted and talked about sin. <laughs> He was too gloomy. They wanted something brighter. But when they wailed and expected from the rabbi of Nazareth a solemn discussion on the moral, on morals and religion, Jesus went to parties and talked about salvation. He was too exhilarated. They wanted something more proper. <laughs> they wanted something more proper. A question for me, just to wrap this point up, and then we'll talk about wisdom. A question I ask myself is, um, uh, do I want God and do I, do I want Jesus, do I want the message to be more to overly sober and just about negative, difficult things or do I, or do I where, where am I on this continuum? Am I more like the, the, the party Jesus guy who just loves people and hanging out and wants to talk about salvation with whoever will listen? Where am I? Where are we? How much like Jesus are we becoming? I mean, none of us are Jesus, so that's okay, but are we becoming more like him? Enjoying talking to people about salvation. Enjoying being with people at their parties. Maybe we can't get people to come to ours. But maybe we can go to theirs. Can we go to their parties? Can we go to where they are and take that message of salvation? Where might those places be? We've all got different lives, different friends, different circumstances. Where are the parties, the places where people are that we could go? Where we live. To school, okay, one for you. We've all got them, I think. We can look for them, pray about that, see if we can find them. It's a wonderful thing. Let's talk about wisdom uh, for a few minutes. Wisdom, what is wisdom? Give me, a, give me a definition of wisdom, anybody? What is wisdom? It's probably not painting graffiti on a wall, but never mind. What is wisdom? Someone who's very wise. Wise person, dishing out some wisdom when we need it. I would say knowing the right thing and applying it. Knowing the right thing and applying it. Okay. And applying it. That's the important extra bit, isn't it? Okay, yep. I think um, discernment and self-awareness and you know, the sense of not acting from emotion necessarily. Right. Being aware of the emotion but not maybe acting from it. Having enough self-awareness to handle that. That's great. Yeah. The ability to discern situations. Yeah. yeah. Discernment. Mm. Wisdom. When you think of wise people, who do you think of? Fictional or real? Doesn't matter. Right? When you just think of somebody, that's that's wise. That's, that's a wise person. Apart from Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> 
wisdom works because it's applied. John 7, 17. If you put it into practice, you will find out if my words are my own or if they come from God, saying Jesus. Uh, a tree is known by its fruits, Matthew 12, verse 33. It can take time for wisdom to have its effect in our lives, and it might be a lifetime before all of its effects are seen. But patience is part of making God's wisdom uh, effective. Where do you need to be patient in your life? Where do you need to be patient? Applying God's word for you to your life and be patient and wait for it to bear its right fruit. You have to be patient uh, for some things. Uh, Penny and I had a pensions advisor over this week. Um, we sat down with him and it just is so scary uh, talking to pension advisors because they want to talk about when you're dead. Well, no, actually they want to talk about like between now and when you die, but they have to talk about death. And you sit there and uh, you, you, all the uncertainties and what you might need to be insured for. And, you know, I, I just, he left and I was like, I'm really glad he left. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable. Uh, and, I, and, but, you know, they want to talk about five years, ten years, fifteen years. Sometimes I think as a Christian we want everything fixed now. But that, that's not going to help us. We've got to apply God's wisdom patiently and wait in. Um, just to finish off, I love uh, this hymn. It's uh, an Irish uh, hymn from the 8th century, maybe even the 6th. And this is one of the verses, uh, the first verses, Be Thou My Vision. And this verse I love about God. Be thou my wisdom. Be thou my wisdom. God be my wisdom. Not, not what I think, not what anybody else thinks. God be my wisdom. And thou my true word. I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. And thou, my great Father, I, thy true Son. Thou in me dwelling, and I with thee, one. Wisdom is proved right by all her children. If we decide to be sons and daughters of God, it means that from time to time we're going to end up um, being challenged to obey God when it doesn't feel right, doesn't look right, doesn't, other people don't appreciate it. If you have a difficult decision to make right now, you're in a difficult spot, a difficult decision about work and life and living and your relationship with God and repentance, or what, if you're in a difficult spot right now, I want to urge you, as I urge myself, is trust God. Do what the Word says. Do what, what, Jesus, do what you think Jesus will do. And then the wisdom will be proved right as a consequence. The fruit will come. The tree will produce its fruit. Children will be healthy and we will have a good relationship with God. So, uh, the parable of the brats, um, they, they were brats, they didn't appreciate uh, John the Baptist nor Jesus. But let's not be like that. Let's be people who dance to God's tune. Whether it's sad or happy, frankly, whatever the tune is, let's dance to it because He knows the right tune, He knows the right way for us to be. And we've got nothing to fear. 